It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Once again, welcome to another Estate Planning Essentials program, eternally committed to protecting your family, your assets, and you. And I'm virtually sitting with our own Dallas elder law attorney, Michael L. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Okay. Now, you always put a different middle initial for me. You know my middle initial is B, so what is the uh, L for? Is it for? I hope it's not for loser. No. (laughs) Actually, Michael, no, the L stands for one of my favorite devices and vehicles that you've been promoting for years and years, maybe longer. I don't know how long it's been around, but that wonderful thing called Ladybird Deeds. That's what the L stands for. And we want to talk about Ladybird Deeds today because there are some misconceptions about them, but they are brilliant vehicles for people. Well, yeah, and first of all, probably a lot of people don't know what Ladybird Deed is. A lot of people use transfer on death deeds, and the idea is that the property, let's say usually it's your homestead, but it could be any real estate, could be transferred by a any type of uh, deed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are ladybird deeds, so I'll have to probably explain for those who don't know what a ladybird yes. deed is, uh, and then I also have to tell you what the difference are differences are between that and a transfer on death deed, okay. uh, because the a lot of times people say, well, what's the difference and which one should we use and which one's better? And the answer is generally, but not always, a ladybird deed is better. And I think that's what we should talk about today. Okay. So first of all, first of all uh, on both a ladybird deed and a transfer on death deed, the property, let's say a homestead, goes to whoever you name as the, what's called the grantee, just think of it as your beneficiary, at your death. So you have two different types of deeds where the property goes to whomever it is that you want to go to at your mm-hmm. death. So mm-hmm. so what's the difference? And first of all, why do they have transfer on death deeds? A lot of people were not having wills, and there was all these title issues. And so since many people do not have wills, uh, the state legislature about five years ago uh, allowed the permission of a the creation of a deed called a transfer on death deed, where it just goes to whomever that beneficiary is or a grantee upon your death. Hmm. Now, ladybird deeds have been around a lot longer. It, a ladybird deed is what's called an enhanced life estate deed, an enhanced life estate deed. So the property um, goes to the same, also goes to whomever your grantee is, mm-hmm. uh, but it, a life estate deed could be done in a couple different ways. One would be, it says, okay, I just hold it for my life, and uh, but there's a reservation of interest to whoever that grantee is, let's say the beneficiary, and so then that beneficiary would have an interest immediately. However, if it's an enhanced life estate deed, which is also known as a ladybird deed, then you retain total control until 
um, until you pass. Okay. And so if you, for example, in the deed itself, you would say, oh, if I want to sell the property, I could do it. If it was just a regular life estate deed, then uh, you would have to get the other people to sign on when you sell the interest because they have to have an interest even during your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a transfer and death deed, you don't have to get the permission of the uh, grantees at death. So that's similar. Uh, on both of them, you avoid probate. Uh, by the way, on labor deed, you can also mortgage the property, uh, sell the side selling, mortgaging, leasing the property, and even change your mind on both types of deeds. So everything's similar there, and, and on both types of deeds, you avoid uh, going through probate, at least as far as that property. So said, well, that sounds good. I don't want to have to go to court to probate a will uh, just to transfer title on real estate. So a lot of people use it for that reason. I see. Uh, now, uh, so that's a lot cheaper than probate, you know, if that was the only asset. Now, there are other things that sometimes people that do – uh, if there's no debts, they could do affidavits, bearership, but sometimes you want it to not go by laws of intestacy, mm-hmm. and that is without a will. Okay. So, uh, you do, and you don't have the delays and costs that you have to go through probate. You don't have to pay the attorney. It just goes right to whomever that beneficiary is. That sounds, sounds good. It's a lot mm-hmm. cheaper than probate. I don't have to go by the state's laws. It just goes to whoever I want it to go to. Um, there's another reason why people do this besides avoidance of probate. In Texas, if you are on long-term various Medicaid programs, even though your homestead is an excluded asset, a no limit if you're married, if you're single, the limit is 603000 as of January 1st of 2021. Uh, and uh, if so, in most people's homes are less than that. Uh, if that property is less than that, it doesn't count as an asset, but the government has a right to go after your home after death if it goes by probate. Well, what mm-hmm. happens with a ladybird deed or a transfer on death deed? It doesn't go by probate. It just goes directly to the beneficiary upon your death. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so, that, so, so a lot of times people use either one of these to avoid Medicaid estate recovery. So if you were in a nursing home, let's say, and uh, the state paid out one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars for your care costs, and they could go after your home to get repaid plus drug costs, well, if when they make that claim after that person's uh, death, they will send a letter saying they intend to make a claim. But if you show them a ladybird deed or a transfer on death deed, it avoids a successful claim uh, of the state. So now you've protected your children or whoever it is that you want to be your beneficiary, a surviving spouse is protected as a matter of law, at least in Texas. Mm-hmm. So it's different for that situation. But uh, So it's very common in the Medicaid world to use one of those two things. So now, uh, and by the way, you might say, well, gee, why don't you put the property, just put it in a trust, like a revocable living trust, a very common type of trust that most people use to avoid probate. Under the Medicaid rules, if you put the property in a trust, it counts as a resource. So for those people who have a revocable trust and do not have long-term care insurance, although it's good for many reasons like probate avoidance, uh, avoidance of guardianship, privacy, since you don't have, um, uh, if you, for example, don't if you probate a will, it's a matter of public record. Uh, but here, 
uh, in the Medicaid world, the if you put the home in a trust under rules, at least here in Texas, it would count as a resource. So you've now all of a sudden changed something it didn't count into something it did count. So irrevocable trust uh, is a problem for Medicaid. So usually just what well, usually, by the way, if the answer to the, the question is how do you solve that? Well, you just deed the property out of the trust to the person who set up the trust to begin with, and then that person does a ladybird deed going right back to the trust that we established to begin with. Okay. So, so you can get around that. So now, and also if you had done a trust, it's a lot more expensive to do a trust than it is to do a deed. Hmm. Sometimes okay. people have a ladybird deed into a trust because you want to protect the beneficiary. So if a beneficiary, for example, um, is, um, has, is disabled or has creditor issues or marital problems, you could have the deed go into the trust and then protect them that way. Whereas, you see, because if the ladybird deed just went to the person directly, then you didn't solve that problem of their uh, their problem, whether they're a spendthrift or a drug addict or a, uh, having creditor issues, et cetera. So, uh, so here, uh, the you could you could do some extra protection if it's needed for whoever that beneficiary may be. And by the way, Medicaid normally has a five-year look-back period, but on either type of deed, this would not be a transfer penalty because you're still in total control. Hmm. So, yeah, so, 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 so you normally they when I say a five-year look-back period, the government presumes that you. Make if you make a transfer within five years that you did it on purpose to reduce your assets, but here you take retain total control. Remember, you can change your mind, etc., mm-hmm. on either type of deed. And since you're in total control, there's no transfer. You're still yeah. con- you're still so so, which is also good for lots of different other for tax reasons as well. Because if you're still in control, it's not a gift tax. So if I deeded property to somebody. Otherwise, if you give us something that's more than fifteen thousand, you're supposed to report to the IRS. And of course, if you had gifted the property to, let's say, uh, a child, uh, then there, you may have, the child might have higher property taxes. You might have been over sixty-five uh, and had a homestead. If you gave the property to somebody else, then they no longer may not have. They may no longer have the homestead exemption, or they also may lose the step-up and basis. In other words. When you buy a property, if you retain the property until you die, then your heirs get the property uh, at the value as the date of your death. But if I had given the property away to somebody else, they take your what you bought it at. So if you bought a property for $100,000 and it's now worth $300,000, then if I had given away the child, let's say you gave it to a child and they sold the property, and they would have to, unless it was her homestead and they had lived there for two out of the last five years, then um, uh, then it would have been uh, subject to capital gains tax on behalf of the uh, of the um, by the person who sold the property could take the child. Okay. So uh, here in this case, uh, so if you had maintained it, however, they would just the values of the date of death. There would be no capital gains tax on that appreciation. Excellent. Uh-huh. And then, and, and, and that also, uh, you know, if you had sold the property, which you still would, would have the right to do that, if you're single, you have a could make uh, you could get up to a two hundred fifty thousand dollar gain if you're single without capital gains tax, and five hundred thousand dollars if you're married. All those tax benefits would remain remain the same if you had either a uh, uh, lady verdeed or a transfer on death deed. So now, 
those are some of the reasons why either one of them work many times, but we have to look at the situations of what's the difference between the teeths. Very good. I've been watching a uh, program, sort of binge-watching, the last uh, few weeks, and um, a term I learned that I'm sure you know um, that is a legal one that perhaps a lot of people don't um, is the phrase confirmation bias, where you're always looking for information to reinforce your preconceived notions. And what I have learned, and it's a legal term, and a lot of people use that when it comes to what's going to happen if or what has happened. Like when someone commits the murder, for example, and it's a loved one, and they just refuse to believe it, refuse to believe that they did that. Um, And therefore, so there's that confirmation bias. And I, I wonder if the confirmation bias applies here, too, where people will say to themselves or to the world, well, I'm the spouse. So it doesn't matter what happens, Mike, because I'm the spouse, I inherit everything, and yeah. the state laws and national yeah. laws don't matter. Well, that's that's where there's a real problem there is that there are, state laws do matter because especially, we see this all the time, especially in second marriages where the, um, in a second marriage, and especially the first spouse that died, Mm-hmm. as children from a prior marriage, if you don't do something, whether it's probate or do some sort of deed or something, that has some survivorship-type provision, mm-hmm. then then they could go to the children of the first marriage and be splitting the property with the if it went by intestacy without a will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't have, or if you didn't do something like what we're talking about here today, then... Uh, you the the child or children of the first marriage would be partners with the surviving spouse, and we, I can't tell you how many times that shocks people. Shocks them in a great deal of dismay, I would imagine, because that no, who wants that? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of times the kids of the, you know, we had one this last week where uh, dad had died twenty years ago, oh, and boy. yeah, and and we haven't talked to those children. Mom had shocked those children a long, long time, and they have an interest in the property. So if they wanted to sell the property, we're going to have to get their those children's uh, consent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, who wants you that? Know? No, right, thank you. Right. You're not in partnership with anybody. I'm not in partnership with anybody. And it's it's very similar to the Lady Bird deed. It's about control and being able to call the shots and do what you think is is best for the company, for the people, for the employees, for the clients. And uh, a ladybird deed lets you own your business, which in this case is your home, and lets you make all the decisions that you want while you're alive. Yeah, you're still in total charge, and nothing's changed. Uh, And so you have all these different tax advantages, and you avoid probate, and you avoid Mm -hmm. Medicaid estate recovery. Uh, and, And the same thing would be you could do for the transfer on death deed, too, and there are some differences, too, but uh, we'll talk about those, in, I think, in just a second. For sure. Um, Michael, just use the word avoid. And, and your goal, my goal, everyone's goal is to avoid that confirmation bias. So you think objectively and you, and you know accurately what the laws are so you don't get burned later. The way to avoid that, the way to ensure that um, your plans are exactly the way you want them while you're alive or your loved ones are alive is for them and or you to attend Michael's next workshop where you get to sit down with Michael either virtually 
meaning online via a Zoom call or in person. But I, I, you're not even doing anything in person yet, are you, Mike? No, we're, we're well, we're we're having meetings with people if they want to do a. Uh, sometimes we have uh, a vision meeting for people mm-hmm. who do go to the workshops. We give a free one-hour meeting, and we give them the option to either do it in person. Of course, we'd have masks and be sure distance and stuff like that. Right. But or we could do it by Zoom or phone conference, uh, some way, uh, whatever way is best for the individual. Okay. Uh, so. But I, I said corrected. The workshops are all Zoom and they're all virtual. That's right. Okay, great. So then you can you would attend Michael's next workshop, which is Saturday, January the ninth, and uh, it's at ten o'clock in the morning. And again, you just sign up for the Zoom call and you get to enjoy Michael's expertise and education via Zoom, via your laptop, via your cell phone, via your desktop, and you get to ask questions about your individual circumstances that Michael gladly answers. And um, you go around the virtual room or the Zoom room, <laughs> we'll call it the Zoom room, and um, <laughs> you get to um, listen to other people's issues too. And then as you will normally do, like we all do in life, internalize that situation and compare that to your circumstances and help you better understand exactly what the laws are and what you should and shouldn't do, which then... Uh, allows you to attend that vision meeting that Michael talked about where you get to meet with him privately, either virtually or in person, to talk about uh, for a full hour all of your circumstances, not just ask one or two questions, but ask a bunch of questions. And, of course, Machine Gun Mike also will ask you a lot of questions and certainly get you to think about uh, many things that you perhaps have not because he is the expert and, and has been doing this for decades now. So the best way to sign up for the workshop, which is the first step, is to dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go online. Go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or just Google Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, and you can type in Dallas Attorney, and Michael will come up on that first page for sure on Google. Uh, Michael, we've got about seven or eight minutes left. I wanted to ask you uh, a pretty simple question, but I don't want to be confused. Is there a difference between paid upon death and transfer upon death? Yeah, there's a difference between paid on death is like usually a bank account. Uh, transfer on death is usually like an investment account. Uh, and this, But this is very similar to that, and there's even transfer on death of vehicles. And in this case, mm. this, this is similar, the transfer on death deed is similar to like uh, on a car that you could say you want the car to go to a certain person on your death. You're still in total control. You don't have to get their permission, and it just goes to that person upon your death. You do that to the Department of Motor Vehicles. In fact, that was that was uh, as a result of the transfer on death deeds. That was just done a few years ago because there was so much success on that. However, there are problems with the transfer on death deeds uh, that reason why Lady Bird deeds are better, first of all, Transfer on death deeds give no warranty of title. Hmm. So, if, uh, whereas if you had a, you know, with a ladybird deed, often you have good title, and so you can have a title policy. And so, if there was a pro- title problem later discovered, uh, a ladybird deed, there could be a claim for a breach of warranty where you couldn't do that with a transfer on death deed. So, uh, attorneys want to make sure you have good insurance, and so uh, it would be generally recommended. The advantage would be here for a ladybird deed over a transfer on debt deed, which has no warranties as a matter of law. Got it. 
And also, yeah. before, before another question, Lady Bird deeds aren't in every state, too. Is that correct? Yeah, they're only in about three, four, five other states. No. Uh, so, so I mean, there could be enhanced life estate deeds, but the labor deed, you know, here, like we could avoid Medicaid estate totally in Texas with the use of a lady bird deed, but in most states, that is not the case. So that's an advantage to Texas mm-hmm. uh, that we have as far as when we're paying on long-term care costs uh, that we could avoid the claim. So if we put assets in the home, we could have this valuable home and protect it from the government to protect for our loved ones that we want to receive the home uh, at our passing. Okay. Now, um, if you have uh, a, a uh, the unfortunate thing with a transfer on debt deed is there could be some, uh, under the law, it permits the personal representatives, let's say an executor or an administrator to pursue a claim uh, against property if transferred by a transfer on debt deed within two years. Mm-hmm. So there could be a delay selling the home if you have a transfer on debt deed because a title company may not insure for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Whereas on a ladybird deed, there's no such problem. There's not that, uh, since you got these warranties, et cetera, they're not going to go after uh, the, they're not going to do that. Uh, it's not going through probate. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, so it, it's an advantage for the uh, ladybird deed versus the transfer on death deed. Now, there is one advantage in, uh, uh, one that the transfer on death deed does have, mm-hmm. um, and that is that you can name contingent beneficiaries. In other words, if I say, I want things to go to child A, mm-hmm. but if child A uh, predeceases me, it goes mm-hmm. to child B or to grandchild or something like that, uh, well, I shouldn't say the grandchild because on Lady Bird it goes by the laws uh, of intestacy. But on a on a so if you wanted to say from child A to somebody else, uh, then you could do that on a transfer on death deed. You could name contingent beneficiaries, although it has to always be equal, which is an advantage for the Lady Bird deed. Uh, so the uh, transfer on death deed, you can name contingent beneficiaries where you can't on a Lady Bird deed. So that is the one advantage for a transfer on death deed. A ladybird deed could only can be you could use a power of attorney to create or do something or to make changes or revoke or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas on a transfer on death deed, you cannot do that. Hmm. You cannot do that. So, uh, so that's an advantage for the ladybird deed. Uh, on if sometimes on uh, let's say you have somebody is about to die, well, a transfer on death deed has to be recorded before somebody dies, whereas a ladybird deed, they don't. So there's all these different circumstances. On both cases, um, you know, you it, it, they both have some benefits, mm-hmm. but in the m- most of these situations that we're talking about, the advantage goes to the ladybird deed. You have warranty of title. You could sign it with a power of attorney. You could, uh, you, could you know, uh, you could do these different types of things that uh, you can't do with, you don't have to worry about the creditor issues that we talked about mm-hmm. or mortgaging the property or whatever it is. And, and there's some other things like uh, that what they transfer on death deed that you, that uh, there's some complications. If it's a husband and wife, uh, you can't revoke it all uh, for uh, 
because you can only revoke your portion. There's some different things that are see because the transfer on death deeds are set by statutes. It's a it's an actual law, mm-hmm. and they say what you could do and what you can't do. Whereas on ladybird deeds, that's not the case. So it's a little bit different. So so. The advantages, uh, we think, uh, in most situations, although not all situations, go to the ladybird deed. So that's what we generally recommend. But if you have, say, a contingent beneficiaries that you want to name, uh, and that's more important to you, then, then the transfer on death deed might be uh, more applicable in that situation. So we look at everybody's situation, talk them about their goals, and then whatever is best for them. That's what they could do. It doesn't have Great. to be, by the way, Medicaid estate recovery, by the way. It could be for anything. Okay. And you've always been that way. Uh, you present the options, and then they make the decisions, which is excellent. And there may be some people who, who want to do a transfer upon death instead of a ladybird. But what I've heard over the years, you know, I've been doing this program at a ladybird deed is a brilliant program, and uh, everyone should at least consider that. And I believe that the vast majority of our audience is going to commit to something like that. And the way to find out more is to attend Michael's next workshop. That is on Saturday, January the 9th, after all the holidays and craziness is over. And uh, it's at 10 o'clock in the morning, and the way to sign up is to go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, Google Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, Dallas Attorney, and you'll see it right there, and you'll be able to go to DallasElderLawyer.com that way, or dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 for his Estate Planning Essentials virtual online Zoom workshop. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, and happy holidays to all. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 